song. You know, there's no shadow that God won't light up coming after you. So if you think my dark place and brought me unto himself, uh, there's no shadow he won't light up, mountain he won't climb up, wall he won't kick down, uh, lie he won't tear down. God loves you. Can you say amen? I want you to know that this morning. If you don't get a hold of anything else that I say today, I want you to understand and know that God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, loves you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. God wants to do in you what you can't do for yourself. And uh, I'm, I'm living proof of that. If he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. I can promise you. Take your Bibles, if you will, please. Turn with me back to Luke chapter number 18. And this morning, we're going to continue answering the question, what has Jesus said? And we're answering this question because what Jesus has said makes all the difference. What Jesus says sets us free. He told a group of folks that came to him in John chapter number 8, he said, if you continue in my word, then you'll know the truth. And if you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. Well, praise God, I'm all about being set free. Can you say amen? I'm thankful that Jesus has set me free. I'm thankful that Jesus is still in the business of setting people free today. But we've got to get a hold of what he says. We've got to get a hold of his truth. And right here in Luke chapter number 18 is a power-packed chapter of the Word of God, of the truth of who Jesus is, of how Jesus deals with ordinary everyday uh, people, common people that Jesus meets with here shows us how he still meets with common, ordinary, everyday people today. How many of you know that Jesus wants to take that which is common and do something uncommon in them and through them? Can you say amen? Jesus takes ordinary people and does something extraordinary in them, with them, and through them. Now, I don't know about you, but that excites me because I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just a common, ordinary, everyday guy. And if that's who you are, I want to tell you, you are a prime candidate for God to do something fantastic in your life. That's the people that God chooses to use. And he chooses to use common, ordinary, everyday people so he can get all the glory. See, when God does something with the common in an uncommon way, or God does something with the ordinary in an extraordinary way, then it's got to be God who does it. Ordinary can't do extraordinary. Common can't do uncommon. But God working in the common can do the uncommon. And God working in the ordinary can do the extraordinary. And that's what we see here in Luke chapter number 18. There's really four main stories that I think we're probably going to camp out here at Luke chapter 18 and, and go through all of them. But I'm just going to do one today. But we find in Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8 the story of a demanding widow. And man, that's a powerful story about prayer. And I think that we may do uh, go through that next week and talk about how God still answers prayer and that we can trust that God hears our prayer. And we can know that uh, what God has said in His Word, we can trust in uh, concerning the prayer of His people. So we'll look at that next week. And then in Luke chapter 18, verses 18, 18 through 30, we find the story of a dishonest youth. The Bible calls him a rich young ruler who really wasn't honest with himself or 
are honest with the Lord. And we're going to look at that in a few weeks. And then in uh, verses 35 through 43, there's a story of a determined beggar. And his name is Bartimaeus. All of you probably heard the story of blind Bartimaeus. He was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that Jesus was walking by, he began to call out that Jesus would come and do for him what he could not do for himself. And because of his determination, he wouldn't give up. He didn't let up. He wouldn't stop calling out unto the Lord. Jesus heard him, went to where he was, and healed his blinded eyes. Man, that's a powerful story, and we'll get to that in just a few weeks. We're going to look at all of these, but this morning, I want us to take a look at the deluded Pharisee. And that comes in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through verse number 14. And man, what a powerful story it is. I'm just going to read these verses for you, 9 through 14, then we'll come back and look at three main points. Look what it says. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Everybody say in themselves. That they were righteous and despised others. There's a message here about those who trust in themselves and believe themselves to be righteous and despise others. This is the crowd that sits up on their spiritual high horse and looks down on everybody else. And Jesus makes a point to tell a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning concerning how dangerous this mindset is. And man, if there's one thing that we've got to get a hold of in the church today is the truth of the deluded Pharisee, those who think themselves righteous and despise others. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. I love this verse, what? But smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. How many of you are thankful this morning that Jesus still hears the cries of sinners asking for mercy? Jesus still hears those who call to him for help that only he can give. And that's what we find here in Luke chapter 18. Watch what the Bible says in verse number 14. Very powerful. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. I'm so thankful this morning that you can do what only is possible through your power in the hearts and lives of people. You can bring salvation to those who need it this morning. Lord, if you can save me, you can save anybody. And Lord, I'm praying today that you would do just that. I'm praying that the sinner would be convicted, that the saint would be encouraged, Lord, that you would be exalted. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, today that you would do a work in this place so that the church might be edified, Satan might be horrified, and you might be glorified. God, do your work that only you are capable of. I beg you, I can't do it, only you can. God, I'm praying today that you impart truth. I can preach truth, but only you can impart truth. So Holy Spirit, move me out of the 
the way. Use me today for your honor and your glory to do your work among these people. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name and for your sake. Amen and amen. Now, the deluded Pharisee is one that's mentioned here in Luke chapter number 18, but I want to define for you what I mean. What am I saying when I'm saying this man is deluded? According to the Webster's Dictionary, deluded means uh, those who have been deceived or have been fooled. See, this man was deceived about who God was. He was certainly deceived about who he himself was, and he was deceived about how he could come to know the God of heaven. And man, if you're deceived in those ways, you are truly foolish, amen? You've been fooled. You've been deceived. The Bible says that the God of this world, Satan himself, blinds the eyes of those who don't believe. And I think that's exactly what happened in the delusion of this Pharisee. His eyes had been blinded uh, in the story that Jesus speaks of. The Bible says that he was deluded, he was deceived, he was fooled, but he was also a Pharisee. Now I want to talk to you about the contrast between these two men, first of all. The Pharisee was seen as the religious crowd. I mean, if anybody thought anybody was going to make it to heaven, it's going to be the Pharisee. That's how everybody saw them. I mean, they dressed the right way. They spoke the right things. They went to the church not just once a week or twice a week. They went to the temple seven days a week and studied the law, studied the word of God. These men prayed in public. These men gave tithes in public. We'll see that in just a moment. If anybody was supposed to be right with God, it was supposed to be the Pharisee. They were the most strict religious sect of the Jewish people. I mean, they believed to hold to the law in its strict, most possible form. As a matter of fact, if the Pharisee was walking on a Sunday and he found a tack in his shoe, he would make sure and remove it because he knew you weren't supposed to work on Sunday. That's a true thing. That was actually written um, in, in, the, in the Pharisees' law book themselves. They had to make sure they were following the law to the strictest letter. But now, that was not so of the publican. The publican was one who was hated by the people. See, he was a Jew who worked for the Roman government. The Romans um, had overtaken the Jewish people. They were ruling them. Uh, the Jews were being made a part of the Roman Empire, even though they didn't want that. Uh, and so this Jew that was working for the Roman, first of all, uh, was hated by the Jewish people, hated by his own people. But he was also hated uh, from the Romans because he was a Jew. So he had hatred coming both ways. Nobody liked the publican. The publican was seen as the lowest of low, the Pharisee was seen as the highest of high as it comes to religious matters. And so Jesus tells a story about both of them. Now the first thing that I want you to see, I've got three main points I'm going to give to you this morning. First thing that we need to look at is that this Pharisee was deluded about prayer. He was deluded about prayer. He was deceived. He was fooled. Look what the Bible says. Acts chapter, or Luke chapter 18 uh, in verse number 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Everybody say with himself. See, I know this man is deluded about prayer because of to whom he prayed. He was praying with himself, to himself, for himself, about himself. 
Prayer was not something that he used to worship and glorify God and show his dependence upon the Lord. Prayer for him was about bringing glory to himself, about him thinking how good he was and all that he had done that was right and all the things he didn't do that was wrong. That's what prayer meant to this man. Jesus dealt with the Pharisees continually concerning prayer. Many instances throughout the Gospels, you're going to find Jesus chastising the Pharisee about their hypocritical prayers. Let me pray or give you some verses this morning. First of all, I want you to turn uh, with me over to um, Matthew chapter number five. Turn there and let's look at something. Excuse me, Matthew chapter six, verse five. Watch what the Bible says. Jesus talking about prayer, chastising the hypocritical Pharisee. Look what he says there. He says, verse five, and when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. What's Jesus saying? He said, if you're doing what you're doing so you can be seen of men, you've got your reward. Let, let, let me say something to you. If you're doing what you're doing to be seen of men, to bring glory to yourself in some way. You have your reward. See, what we do for God is not so that we might be glorified, but so that He might be glorified. What we do for the kingdom is not so that we might be praised, but that he might be praised. Because how many of you believe this morning, he's the only one worthy of honor, glory, and praise. It's not about me. It's not about you. Listen, it has to be all about Jesus or it means nothing. This man was deluded. He was deceived concerning prayer because he used prayer as a way to bring honor and glory to himself. We see that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaking to the Pharisee. But let's flip over just a few pages to Matthew chapter number 23. Look what he says here. Matthew 23, again dealing with the Pharisee. He says in verse number 13, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Verse 14 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. So Jesus says, these people that were seen as being a part of the religious crowd, they were doing what they were doing in the way of prayer. Listen, not to give glory to God, but to give glory to themselves. And if you read this man's prayer, you'll see exactly what Jesus is speaking of. So the first thing we need to see is that he was deluded about prayer. The second thing I want you to see is he was deluded about himself. I mean, he didn't even know who he himself was, how much he needed God. We know that because of what he prayed. We know he was deluded about prayer because of to whom he prayed. He prayed to himself, with himself, for himself. But we know he was deluded about himself because of what he prayed. So what did he pray? Let's look back there at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse number 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. See, the Pharisee was misled in many different ways. He was fooled, deceived. He was deluded in a whole lot of stuff. He was deluded about himself and his relationship to God because this is how he thought. This is what he was thinking. You tell it by how he prayed. See, he thought that he was made right with God by the things that he did. Amen? And that's how a lot of people spell salvation. Let me tell you how a lot of people spell salvation. D-O. They spell it do. They think if I just do good things, then I can be saved. They think that somehow, some way, that one day when they stand before God on Judgment Day, there's going to be this great big scale. And everything they've done right is going to be on one side, and everything they've done wrong is going to be on the other side. And if somehow their good things outweigh their bad things, God's going to let them into his kingdom. Now listen to me, folks. I know that's a very popular teaching of today. You may have heard that over and over again. There's only one problem with it. It's not true. It's not true according to Scripture. Listen, you are not saved by what you do. By just doing good stuff. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, Isaiah 64 and 6, that our righteousnesses, or the good things we do, are like filthy rags when you hold them up to God's standard. Now that's not even talking about the bad stuff you do. That's talking about the quote-unquote good things you do. I mean, we can give you, I can give you a whole list of good things that people try to do to make themselves right with God. Well, brothers, I come to church on Sunday. I mean, I've got my 15-year pen in Sunday school. I, I even read my Bible once in a while. Hey, I pray every day when I, I try to make sure I pray when we're supposed to pray. I'm doing all of that. And they think if they do enough of these good things that somehow that's going to make them right with God. That's the Pharisaical attitude. The Pharisee thought that they were made right with God by their self-righteous acts. They had religion up to their eyeballs, but lacked relationship. <laughs> Amen. Do you know that religion is man's feeble attempt to make themselves right with God by what they do? Come to church, putting a little money in the offering plate, Helping little old ladies across the street. Picking up a stray dog and feeding it till it's healthy. I mean, all they, you name it, whatever people might think. And don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with coming to church. Nothing wrong with putting something in the offering plate. There ain't nothing wrong with helping little old ladies across the street or picking up stray dogs. All that can be good stuff. But let me tell you something. None of that stuff saves you. None of that stuff saves you. It's not about what you do. And then there's a lot of people who think it's about what you don't do. He, he kind of had both things going on here. Remember, he said, I, 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 I tithe, I, uh, I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, let me give you a little something about the Pharisees. See, the Jewish people were only commanded to, to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. That's all God told them they had to fast. In one, but he says, you know, I go above and beyond. I don't just fast on the Day of Atonement. I fast twice a week. See, he's, he's listing all the things that he does. He thinks that's what makes him right. He's going on a work salvation. But then he lists some things that he don't do. And see, a lot of people try not to only spell salvation D-O, but a lot of people try to spell it D-O-N-T. What you don't do. Right? 
And he makes a list of that even. Look what it says there in verse number 11. He said, I thank the Lord that I'm not an extortioner, I'm not unjust, I'm not an adulterer, or I'm not like this old filthy publican over here praying next to me. God, I'm so thankful I'm not like this dude over here. Oh my gosh. You see his attitude? God forbid that ever be our attitude. Can I tell you something? Listen to me very plainly. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. It took just as much blood to save me as it took to save you or anybody else. The sacrifice that was made for me was made for you and made for everybody else. It was for the whole world Jesus died. He don't love you more than he loves me. He don't love me more than he loves you. He loves us all and he gave his son so that we might be saved. Listen, we all needed a savior and God sent his son to save us. But this Pharisee had the wrong mindset. I'm glad I'm not like this guy. My goodness. Let me, just, let me give you one more thing before I go any further. I got to say this. You know, a lot of times we want our church to grow but with conditions. I want my church to grow, but I want it to grow with people just like me. Amen? God forbid that we ever have that mindset. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you look like. You are welcome right here. God's grace is just as sufficient for you as it is for me. He's about to spell salvation. Don't. I don't extort people. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. And that's the way a lot of people think today, isn't it? If I just quit doing a lot of things. I mean, from this moment on, man, I'm pulling, I'm going to grab myself by my bootstraps and, and make this happen. I'm going to do everything I can do, do everything right from here on out. Well, let me ask you something. What about all that stuff you did before now? What about that? See those past sins that's not been forgiven? It's still against you. The Bible says that all of us come into this world spiritually dead, born into sin. Amen. And I've told you before, I'll tell you again, folks, I never even knew that. I never could grasp that until I had children myself. And the moment I had kids, I began to understand that they were born into sin. That truth became real to me. When I held my babies in my arms for the first time, I thought, oh, Lord, man, what, God has given me a little angel right here. They're just perfect in every way. I couldn't believe how perfect they were. They were beautiful and lovely. Man, they were just right. But guess what I found out? As their legs grew longer, their angel wings grew shorter. And I found out I didn't have to teach them how to lie. And I didn't have to teach them how to be selfish. Parents, let me ask you something. Do you ever whoop from the front seat? Sometimes I think I'm going to break my arm trying to reach in the back seat. Oh, shut up. What are you? I hear this continually. Daddy, she's looking at me. 
Is it that bad that she's looking at you? Daddy, he touched me. He licked his hand and he touched me. <laughs> Daddy, she's got my thing and I've got her thing and we've got our thing and I take the things then sometimes and throw them out the window. I'm just saying, I didn't have to teach them how to do none of that. Why did they come here knowing how to do that stuff? Because they were born into sin. The Bible says that, that all of us were born spiritually dead in need of a Savior. And the only thing that can truly save us is not what we don't do or what we do, but who we know. Now, listen to me very plainly. You say, brothers, are you trying to say that it don't matter what we do or what we don't do? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying what you do or what you don't do cannot and will not ever save you. But when you know Jesus, he will change what you do and what you don't do. He will then give you power to overcome the sin in your life. He will set you free from the bondage of sin. See, for a long time, I thought I was free to do what I wanted. Man, I would go out and I would live the party lifestyle and I would uh, drink till I couldn't see and I'd done every drug that you can think of. There's not one that you can name that I hadn't done. I did all of that. I was in that life. And I thought, man, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm living my, my way. I'm free to make my own choices. Let me say something to you. The alcoholic's not free. The drug addict's not free. The man caught up in an adulterous relationship, he's not free. She's not free. They are controlled by the sinful flesh. They can only do what a sinner does. I couldn't break free of those strongholds and strangleholds that was upon my life, even though I tried. I tried to not do things that, that were, I knew were wrong, and I tried to do things that were right, but I found I had no power to do any of it. And I kept falling, messing this up and messing that up to the point where I was sick of myself and everybody was sick of me. I was deluded. Just like this old Pharisee. He was also deluded about this publican he looked down on the publican but the publican had it right watch Luke 18 oh praise the Lord verse 13 and the publican standing afar off let, let me tell you what that means oh thank you Jesus listen he was standing afar off because he didn't even feel himself worthy to be up there where the Pharisee was. And the Bible says he wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven because he didn't feel himself worthy to even look up to heaven. And he cried out to the Lord for mercy. And the Bible says, this man, the publican, the old filthy publican, 
went home justified rather than the Pharisee. Now let me tell you what justified means. Justified means just as if you'd never sinned. When this man called out for mercy, God gave him mercy. When this man pleaded for salvation, God gave him salvation. When this man wanted forgiveness, God gave him forgiveness. And he said, this day you're justified. I consider you righteous. Listen, not because of what you've done or what you haven't done. I consider you righteous because you placed your faith in me. And the Bible says it. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. Let me ask you something. Are you deluded this morning? Are you trusting in what you do or don't do? I remember one of my favorite preachers is Dr. David Jeremiah. Anybody else? I love that brother. If you're looking for somebody to, um, to listen to on a daily basis to encourage you, to strengthen your walk with Jesus, I encourage you to look up David Jeremiah. Man, I'm telling you, that brother just speaks to my soul, and I'm so thankful for his ministry. But I remember a story he told years ago that stuck with me, probably been 10 years ago now. He said that when he was a young boy on his grandpa's farm in Indiana, where he grew up, that he was outside one day sitting on the porch. His grandfather had one of those great big porches that went all the way around the house on that farmhouse that he lived in. And there's an old hound dog that was laying just off the end of the porch. And he said, for a long time at that moment, he had thought that it was what you don't do that makes you a, a child of God, that makes you saved. And, and so he, he had always kind of thought that if you don't drink and you don't smoke and you don't dance and you don't go with girls who do, that you can be saved. That's what he thought. And they said, then one day, it's just like the Lord spoke to him. He said, he looked out there at that old hound dog, and he said, well, if all that's true, that hound dog is a good Christian. Because he don't do any of that. And he's right. If that's all it takes is not doing stuff that we see as the bad stuff, then, well, that hound dog can be saved. But again, it's not about what you don't do. And it's not about what you do because you can't do enough. Your righteousnesses are like filthy rags by God's standard. Dr. Jeremiah said he finally realized it was about throwing himself down hopelessly and helplessly at the foot of the cross and saying, Jesus, I believe you died for my sin. I believe you paid the price for my sin. I'm trusting in you for the forgiveness of sin and I'm asking you to save me. Just like this old publican when he cried out for mercy. Let me give you something. Ephesians chapter 2, watch this. Praise God for Ephesians chapter 2. My goodness. Ephesians chapter 2. And let's just, let's just read verses 1 through 4. He's speaking to believers here. He's writing to the church. And he says, You hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. There was a time when you was dead to the things of God. You were spiritually dead, born spiritually dead, needing a Savior. That's all of us apart from Christ. He says, but you have been quickened. He's speaking to the church or those who place their faith in Jesus. And then he reminds them of their past. He says, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. We, who's the prince of the power of the air, church? That's Satan. That's the deceiver. He says, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also... 
We all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But watch this, verse 4. Now this is good. But God. Now let me tell you something about that two-letter phrase right there, but God. When you see that, it negates everything you've seen previously. So we've got one through three, God talking about how that people who are in the world, listen, they are living according to the course of the world, according to the desires of the flesh. They're by nature the children of wrath. He said, that's where you were, child of God. But God, watch, who is rich in mercy. Now what's it mean to be rich? If we're talking about finances, what's it mean to be rich? It means you've got plenty of money, right? For you Alabama fans, as far as national championships go, what's it mean to be rich? For you, what? 17, thank you, brother. I knew you knew. I was waiting on you. For you Auburn fans, what's it mean to be, I'm just kidding, y'all can't. Listen, to be rich means there's more than enough. There's enough to go around. And the Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we are dead in trespasses and sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? Let me, let me tell you what that means. God has enough mercy and love to go around to save you by his grace. If God can save me, He can save you. If He can save that publican, He can save me. And He can save you if you'll trust Him. If you'll fall down hopeless and helpless before the cross and say, Jesus, I need you. I promise you, He'll make a difference in your life. If you'll get serious with Him today, He'll get serious with you. Let me tell you what I know. God is able to do what's necessary in every heart and life this morning. I'll even say this. God's able to save the Pharisee among us. What you've got to remember is who you are, who God is, and how much you need Him. What you've got to realize is that it's not what you do or what you don't do. It's who you know. And when you know Him, He'll change what you do and don't do by His power. And so what I want to do at this time, brother, come on up. And I'm going to ask you just to remain seated this morning. Bow your heads and just get along with God right where you're at. I'm asking you today to make the place you're sitting your altar. And I'm asking you today to get serious. I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the time for playing games is over. You've played games too long. 
the time for doing things your way is, well, look where that gets you. You say, brother, how do you know about me? Well, I don't necessarily know about you, but I know about me, and I know where my way got me. (laughs) No peace, no power, no purpose, no joy. Simply just existing, not really living. That's where I was. I was broken, lost, and I knew it. There was an emptiness on the inside that I just couldn't feel no matter how hard I tried. That was me. Maybe that's you. And I'm telling you, there's a better way. There is a better way. And his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So today I'm asking you to trust the way. To follow the way. To follow Jesus. And if you know that's you, you know the Holy Spirit of God right now is is convicting your heart. You know that. Then make right where you're at your altar. And and I'm not going to embarrass you this morning. I would never do that. Listen, I believe if somebody gets saved, they'll make it public. You won't have to ask them. They'll make it public. And so what, I, what I'm going to ask you to do is just repeat this sinner's prayer with me. All right, now listen. I want you to know that I can't save you. You're not praying to me, for me, or with me. This prayer is your acknowledgement to God himself that you're a sinner and stand in need of a Savior. And if you need him this morning, and you know this message is for you, don't wait any longer. The scripture says our life is but a vapor. We're here one minute, we're gone the next. You got to be ready. And you get ready by trusting in Him. So I'm going to pray for you right now. And if, again, if you're ready to get serious with God, He's ready to get serious with you. You pray along with me Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins at the cross. I know you are able to save me. I believe you rose again the third day. I'm asking you now to forgive me of my sin. Save me. I give you all I've got for as long as I've got. I need you, Lord. I can't do this without you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen to me. Look, Everybody look at me right here. If today God the Holy Spirit was dealing with your heart and you knew you need to pray that prayer and you got serious with God, let me tell you this. He got serious with you. How do you know that? By the authority of the word. Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. Well, guess what? You did what God's word says you've got to do to trust in Christ. Now, let me encourage you to do something. Tell somebody about it. I'd love to hear about it. When you make salvation public, let me tell you what it do. It really just signs, seals, and delivers it for you individually in your life. It also glorifies God in the church. It encourages believers. The Bible says that when one sinner repents, that there's a, there's a rejoicing that goes on in heaven. Let me tell you something. If you've trusted in Christ today, there's not going to be rejoicing in heaven. There's going to be some rejoicing right here. Welcome to the family. Praise God. You made that decision. So thankful he's able. So what I'm going to do at this time, I'm going to ask Brother Scotty, can you do the love of God today? Is that all right? We're going to sing one of my favorite hymn songs. It's talking about the love of God. And if you're thankful for God's love this morning, sing it like you're thankful. Listen, if you've experienced God's love this morning, sing it like you've experienced it. And let's worship Him. And that's going to be the way we dismiss today. After we're done with this song, we'll be dismissed. Praise God for who He is and what He's done. Have you enjoyed being in God's house? I've enjoyed being here with you. Go tell somebody as you leave today how good God is. Amen? Everybody stand together.